0: This week, on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Sadly, racism has reared its evil head once again, and it means we have to have some awkward conversations. Trevor Baptiste has been outspoken since the incidents over the weekend, and we welcome him to the show for a very important conversation, right here on OTCB. I am an apple. What is good, Lacrosse fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on the Lacrosse Flash, SoundCloud, NLL Radio, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you get your digital music. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. It has been a wild two months. And maybe it's because of everything that has been going on over these past two months that the recent actions over the weekend in Minneapolis and around the United States have created that much more noise and volume. But maybe it is a silver lining due to COVID that we're able to truly see what is happening and truly come together as a human race to put an end to the systemic racism, the violence against people of color, and the never-ending injustices that come to black people and those people of color who have not been given the head start that many of us have. It is unfortunate, it is sad, it is heartbreaking. And because of everything that has happened, we now need to start to have these awkward conversations. They're not easy conversations. They're not easy to start. They're not easy to flow thoughts through smoothly and succinctly and properly. It is a very tough topic. And if you think it is tough, imagine what it is like for our guest this week, Trevor Baptiste, and other minorities and people of color. It's not easy. For myself, it brings up nerves and really uneasy feelings inside and not the conversation itself, but it's to open the looking glass to see what injustices there truly are, to take off the blinders, to peel back the layers of history and truly understand what has happened over the course of time and to understand that it's still not going away. 2020, when we were kids, we thought 2020 would have cars flying. We thought hoverboards were going to be a thing. We thought the world was going to be a utopian place like the Jetsons. And yet we're still here, still watching and still not putting an end to it. I feel horrible for what is going on. I feel horrible for some way, some shape, some form being a part of what is going on. But it truly has allowed me to see that I need to change. I need to be more vocal. We need to change and we need to be more vocal. Enough sitting around, enough letting your friends get away with insensitive jokes, or comments, or memes. Call that shit out. There is no place for any of that, ever. Have some respect, have some human decency and dignity, and stand up for all of our brothers and sisters. No matter where they come from, what they believe in, or what they look like. If this isn't the tipping point for us to find massive change, I don't know what is. I'm proud to have nieces and nephews that stand up and believe that they can help inspire change. And to watch the next generation of young adults voicing their displeasure, standing up for what they believe in and what is humanly right. And I hope that we do see change. And I hope that we never have to have this conversation again. But I am thoroughly blessed to know people like Trevor Baptiste, Kyle Harrison, Jules Heinenberg, the Cornwall brothers, Billy D. Smith, players who have had to go through the shit and have come out as amazing humans, leaders, adults. and great ambassadors for our sport. I'm honored to have Trevor on the show this week. Please, enjoy his Instagram video. This is the audio from it. Then we will get to our interview. But if you haven't heard this, listen to it, listen to it again, and then listen to it a third time. Because it is emotionally impactful, powerfully charged, and a very, very strong ask for all of us to be better, to think about others, and help
1: end racism. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot on my mind for for a little bit of time now, and, and I've been having a tough time really... Um, Assessing and, and putting the words in, in light what it, what I've been feeling over the past few days um, and the climate that we're in, uh, and I think i finally gotten to a place to kind of put words to, to everything I'm feeling um, through my experience. Uh, so obviously, you know, I play professional lacrosse, and 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 that's a sport that's not extremely diverse. Uh, and, and really, all throughout my life, uh, whether that was school or sports I played, the communities I was in, my neighbors, all that, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of diversity. You know, I was a lot of times like me, my sister, my family, we were really the only black people in the room, a lot of places that we went. Um, and through that, you know, I went through a lot. You know, I went through a lot of, a lot of different experiences and, and I think I had a lot of great people around me, great, great people that really understood uh, that I was black and, and all of the trials and tribulations and discrimination and, and prejudice that, that, that I had to go through. Um, and I think right now, obviously with George Floyd being murdered, and and how it was published in, in the video form and how everybody could really see like, wow, like this is messed up, you know? And this isn't the first time this has happened, right? You know, so many times African-American men and women have been unjustly killed for, by police officers, right? Um, but this time, more so than any other time, the video footage of it was people saw it, and they were just like this it's like you're treating this this person not like a human um and I kind of want to speak on on my experience of of how i've seen things growing up and and being in that in that atmosphere like i s like i said uh and and I guess I'll start out by saying, you know, I, I've had a lot of friends, great friends, best friends that are really close to me that that happen to be white, and you know, they'll they'll say to me something like, and this is like when I'm younger, right? So, so you figure when you're younger, you you should know things like this, but sometimes there's a little bit of ignorance that that comes into play, and and some people say something like you know, Trevor like you're you're not really black, you know, like you're you're like me, you know, like you're like you're really nice, you know, you're not you're not black, you're like white black. Um and obviously that kind of hurts, you know, cuz it's something that I, that I that I identify with, you know, being black and and being proud of, of that. Um, and what really stuck out to me about that is those friends in those situations, they would say that and I know them really well and I know that, you know, like I'm I'm really the only black person that you have really gotten to know that you, and, and the reasoning behind that isn't their fault, right, like it just so happened that, you know, I was the only black person that was really in their community and, and the reasoning behind that is a whole different other story that, that I can't even that I can make a whole nother video about, right? But if I'm really the only black person that that has been in your house that you've really gotten to know, uh, on a really personal level, where does your perception of being black come from? Right? Like, it's not like you had somebody else that said, like, okay, this person's definitely black Trevor is more is more like me. And even that statement, it's like, why would you think I was anything different because of how I look, or maybe if I talked a little bit differently, you would think i I wouldn't be the same person, or I'd have a different personality and and kind of going off that, you know, my parents always told me you know they, they trained me since I was little they were they said they knew the environment we were in and, and they said. You know, like Trevor, you got to work hard, educate yourself, be yourself, don't treat anybody any differently than you'd want to be treated. And who you are as a person will shine through any prejudgments people are going to make about you the way that you look. And I think for the most part, that happened, you know, in... And, like I said you know i didn't I didn't run into too many people that were just outright racist, right, but what I want to get at is the systemic stigma that everybody is conditioned to feel towards african American people that they that the fact that i'm might not be in that category of what you thought we were and I think that's messed up. And I don't think that's a a question of if you are racist, you know, like, I don't think that makes my friend who said that to me, I don't think he's, he's racist. I think he's, he's still one of my best friends, right? But. That almost makes it worse because it's so ingrained into our our society and into how people think. So what I wanna ask everyone really is what does being black mean to you? Even if you're not black, if you're white, Hispanic, Asian, what, is, what does that mean? And whatever you come, whatever you come up with, right? Don't, don't get upset with yourself, even if it's positive or negative. But I want you to be really, really truthful of what, what you think that means. And then once you come to that, ask yourself, why do you think that? What has painted you that picture of our race? And what are you going to do to change it? The words you just
2: heard were Trevor Baptiste during an Instagram video posted uh, a few days ago. And if those words didn't give you pause nor make you take a breath and think, please go back and watch it again some very telling words, some very impassioned words, but also some very deep questions that must make us have some awkward conversations. And Trevor, I know these have been some very tough times, but I appreciate you giving us some time out of your day. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, Teddy, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I, I, you know, It's a, a very wild time. We're dealing with coronavirus, and usually we kind of talk about You know, what foods are you running out of and what things do you miss? But those things seem to have been put in the rearview mirror tenfold. Um, You're in Philadelphia in the University District. How are you doing and and what can you tell us is going on out there? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I was actually at
3: my parents' house this weekend, so I was up in North Jersey. I just got back here Monday night and um, obviously you know like like everyone's seen on the news uh obviously tons of of great uh displays of of people protesting and 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 making a stand which is which has been great and really impactful, and you can really feel it's powerful and uh unfortunately, you know like on the news as well, there's been a lot of rioting you know and and um some violence um that has been broken out because of this and, you know, Philly is one of those areas. So the, the, uh, national guard is, is out here. You know, there's a lot of, uh, military, uh, vehicles and, and personnel walking around with big guns and they're kind of like all congregating by our, uh, apartment building. I think, that I think that's where they're, you know, like strapping up out here in university city and then kind of going across the bridge to center city. So. Uh, definitely been been
2: seeing all of that um, since I've been back. Mm-hmm. So so let's let's start right at the end of your video. Um, you ask, "What does being a black person mean to you?" And when I think about that question, you know, I have to think because it's not an easy question for a person like myself, a white person that you know grew up uh, on West Coast, Vancouver Island, away from it all you know, we didn't have a lot of exposure to people of color and black people. So I have to take those moments to think. And when I think about it, I think, you know, things like pain, struggle, determination, but I also think passion, strength, pride, and love. Can you give us some words and some thoughts to kind of help us get through that question of what does a black person mean to you?
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you hit, you hit a lot of them. You know, like I, I, associate the same things and you know for me being black and being in that position you know uh i guess what i'll say and this kind of piggybacks to to another issue that that i felt within my own life but uh you know growing up there's there's definitely in america there's definitely this stigma of towards black people that isn't positive, you know, Ooh. that, you know, uh, I actually just watched the, I watched the post. Um, it was, it was president Trump and, and I don't want this to get political in any way, but, you know, he said, like at one of his rallies, he's like, you know, like, all, like all African Americans, like you guys are poor, you're on welfare, like 56% of your youth is unemployed. And uh, what do you have to lose? You know, like what do you have to lose by voting for me? Um and he said all those things and hey, you know, some people might be like, Oh, like, wow, like yeah, what do they have to lose? or Oh, like that was a good point or something, but deep downside when he says those things, that's what everybody kinda associates the race with and and violence, unfortunately. Um and and that were different, you know that were different and and I felt that a lot through through my through my life and upbringing, because where I grew up I, there wasn't a lot of diversity, you know, so I felt it to the point where I almost felt like I was conditioned to think that you know and and that was kind of like how I felt getting in my video, where I'm saying you know, like my wife tried to be like, you know. Like you're, you're like me, you know, and you're really nice. And, and we're like, really, we're really similar. And I think my friend that said that to me was trying to give me a compliment. You know, he's trying to compliment me and be like, wow, like that's good for you. But in made it, if, if you kind of reverse it, it's like, well, what did you think I was supposed to be like, you know, like, why is that a compliment to my appearance? You know, um, and and especially because it's like oh, oh I know you really well you know me really well like we're really close like I'm I'm really your only black friend you know so where did like where did that perception come from because like I didn't show you that so where did it come from you know and I think that underlying question is what people really need to get at you know
2: it's it's crazy because the perception of what a black person should be is what we all have in our head up. We close our eyes and we think, And when you go back, like for myself, I go back 25 years when I'm a young teenager and I think about a black person is, I still don't really know. And the things that I learned were from television and movies and, and that's where I learned from, you know, I think of, this is maybe a weird comparison, but I think of the family matters episode where. Young car, old car Winslow, his dad's a cop, and his son was harassed by white cops. And that's kind of really how I learned that there truly was racism out there. And it's a staggering thought to think that growing up, I had to learn about black people's struggles through TV shows made in sets. And right. It's, right. it's, you know, watching Jovan Miller's instagram stories about black history and and reading all the things that i'm now reading that i had no idea about is shocking to understand that we were never taught those things and so to have a perception of black people it's very skewed to what we're taught as young kids
3: right right and and that's that's exactly it you know and a lot of times people aren't having those conversations (laughs) because like you said it like you said it's awkward And another piece of it is, you know, a lot of times in the media, like outside of like family matters or things like that, uh, you know, black people really haven't had the opportunity to be the director of the film, Mm. you know, Mm. or, or tell their story because of a lack of opportunity, a lack of uh, getting that right. You know, so, all these stories are being told through a white person's eyes, almost. And it's like, wait, so, like, what what do you really think? And, and I'm not going to stand here and, and judge all white people's character, right? But,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, in the news, right, or, or something like that, historically, like, you think about – I'm trying to think about the right way to say this. Say you're mm-hmm. watching the news and there's something – like a criminal act that happens and you know, they're watching the news. You're like, this is terrible. And if they're black, right. It It's gotten better over the years, but if they're black, then they always have a lot of evidence and a lot of visuals to say, like, this is the person, this is what they look like. Right. Mm-hmm. But more so if, if they're white, it's less about what they look like and more about the crime, you know, like they're not going to post the picture on TV. And previously, like if they post a picture, if the person was white, you know, they would kind of like blur out their eyes, you know, or like put a black line over their eyes. So they couldn't really be associated with who exactly they were. But if it was a black person, it's like their full face, Mm. you know? So it's like, they're, it's like you're trying to paint this picture that this is who the person is and this is how
2: all how all of them are you know
3: um, which isn't right
2: when you were a young lacrosse player growing up and you've mentioned you know when you grew up you were in a diver, you weren't in a very diverse community and lacrosse as we all know isn't a very diverse sport um but you've mentioned that you you know you've gone through some tough times as a young lacrosse player was there anyone outside of your family that you could talk to about those moments as a kid to say, hey, you know what, I don't really feel like this is right? So
3: I'll answer your question in a couple ways. So uh in the short, yes, yeah, you know, there there's definitely a uh, guy there weren't many, right, that, you know, I could talk to and say, you know, like like, you know, I just feel like all the guys on the team don't understand me, don't understand us, you know, or, right. or they didn't understand why that was wrong um, or things like that. And I guess a couple things. When when you're in that small majority group, you know, even if you guys were to band together and say, you know, like, hey, guys, like this wasn't right, you know, you're – you're just so outnumbered, and mm. your perspective just is so small compared to what the whole team's perspective is on the issue and that could be multiple uh multiple different perspectives that's not saying like anyone on the team is racist, you know, but they just can't understand or relate to how we're seeing it um and on top of all that, you know you don't want to be the guy on the team that starts a rift, you know? You don't want to be the guy that maybe brings something up that makes everything awkward. Then guys are kind of like walking on eggshells around each other. You know, you don't want to be that guy because you don't want that to happen because that's going to affect how you play. That's going to affect how we play as a team. So how I always thought was, you know, I could tell where somebody's heart is and I could tell, like, if these guys really like me, or not, you know? Um, so maybe if they said something that was ignorant or maybe they didn't see it as wrong, but it really offended me, then I would say, you know, instead of bringing it up to them and being like, Hey, you know, like that was messed up because of this, I would just bury it. You know, mm. I would just say, you know, he's, he's a really, like, he's a good person, right? He's a good person. I know he's not a racist. Maybe what he said was racist, but I know, he likes me. I know he accepts me. So if I bring it up, he might not accept me, you know, that I'm, that I might really alienate myself more so than I already feel in these situations. So let me just keep my mouth shut, you know? And then when I'm talking to, maybe someone that does understand it. Yeah. We could talk about it when it's just us two, you know? So it's not like we're starting this big thing. And I want to point out that that was wrong of me. You know, Ooh. I should have, I should have said something in those situations. I should have did something, but because of – and there's a lot of other things that come into play. For example, how you stand on the team. So the overarching issue is there's a power imbalance, right? And there's a lot of powers in numbers, like I said. But also, I was talking about this with one of my friends earlier, there's a power in your placement on the team. So, for example, like when I was a freshman in high school, there was I was the only black guy on the team, and there were incidents where people were just straight up racist to me, to my face, right? But I'm a freshman, and they're seniors, and I don't have any power on the team. Yeah, I was start I was a starting midfielder. I was one of two freshmen that were playing, but I wasn't the best player on the team, you know. And if I was, when you everybody knows you're the best player on the team as a freshman, you almost don't want them to know that because you don't want them to get too cocky more or less. Right? So there was a power imbalance there. Now when I'm a senior, I don't hear as many of those things. Right. Cause now I'm the guy I have the power on the team. I'm a leader on the team. I'm the best player on the team. So nobody's going to say something to me that might offend me because everybody's going to, everybody's going to get behind him and say, don't, don't piss Trevor off because like, we need Trevor, <laughs> right, you know, right, right. We need right. Trevor. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't, we don't need Trevor to be pissed off. Right. But when I was a freshman and, you know, like, you know, the team could probably get by without me. I brought a lot to the table, but they could probably get by. It doesn't matter. It, it it you see the power imbalance there. Yeah. Right. Um. So, so there are multiple ways that, that, that power and influence is, is affected. And it's not just
2: by numbers. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned, you know, you didn't want to be the the guy in the locker room to to cause a rift. What were your thoughts of Drew Brees' comments? Yeah. So, uh, I
3: thought they were interesting, you know, And, and Drew Brees, I don't know him personally, but he seems,
2: he seems like a great person. And, uh, you know, is it kind um, of the, is it kind of the same idea where like he's probably really nice guy and I don't think he's racist he just said the wrong thing.
3: You know I don't necessarily, and I want to be careful what I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't necessarily would say like he said the wrong thing. You know, and and in his mind, I didn't. From what I understood, I didn't see the tweet with my eyes. I just heard like, mm-hmm. what he said. And, And from my understanding, he says, I I still don't understand why, you know, guys were kneeling during the national anthem. You know, like my dad was in the military, my grandfather was in the military, and I just don't understand why you would do that. You Mm -hmm. know, that's how I understood it. And if that is what he, in fact, said to that extent, you know, I get where he's coming from. Right. And I understand where he's coming from. And I think for him, he just doesn't understand where Kaepernick and all those other players are coming from. Right. But instead of saying, you know, that's wrong, like shame on you guys for doing that. You should say, well, let me try to get to understand. Let me try to get understand why they're doing this. You know, like for the life of me, I don't understand. I think, maybe he thinks it's somewhat disrespectful. Why are you why are you doing that? You know? And and to be honest with you, that's why I think Kaepernick started the whole thing. He started it to bring light to it. I don't think he yeah. started it to say, I don't like America. Like I'm gonna kneel at the ground because like America hates black people. Like I don't I don't think that was his intention at all. His intention was I'm going to make a really, really, really big sign that people or not. So when I go to the locker room and I say, hey, guys, you know, the society's messed up. There's systemic racism. There's some things that you guys have said to me that, that I don't really feel great about. When he goes to the locker room and says that and everybody says, no, 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 like, we're not racist. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, don't worry about it. That's not the issue here. You're, you don't know what you're talking about or why are you making this all about race? You know, and it's very easily just deflected. I think he was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And now people are going to have to listen to me, you know? They're going to have to say, wow, like, why are you doing this, <laughs> you know? Mm. But instead of people saying, why are you doing this, and trying to understand that behind it, people are saying, you're you're being disrespectful, you know? And they changed the narrative of it. And they made it not about race. They yeah. made it about disrespecting the flag, you know? Because that's what's natural. It's awkward to talk mm-hmm. about that racial uh oppression and things like that so they said all right let's 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 take all the light off that we don't want to we don't want to handle that monkey you know i think of an elephant in the room you know like let's just talk about disrespect to america that's much easier to talk about
2: you know Um, how so that's what i think yeah how important is it is it to see positive messages from white athletes and white celebrities who are you know voicing themselves over this very awkward topic
3: Oh, I think it means a lot. You know, I think it, I think it's extremely refreshing, you know, it's like it, It because understanding it is the only way it's going to get better and probably the, the most surest form of acceptance almost, you know, Mm -hmm. so if you understand where I'm coming from, then Then I, then I finally feel like, okay, like you admitted there's a problem, you know? And I think for so long, everybody was afraid to admit that there was a problem. Like they were afraid to say like, oh, like this is bad. Or maybe they would say, oh yeah, there's some racist people out there, but for the most part, you know, those are those people and they're not me. So I don't understand why you want to talk about it with me, you
2: know?
3: Mm -hmm. Um. And I think now it's to the point where it's like, whoa, like there's a really big issue and they're bringing life to it. And, and it's also extremely empowering for someone like me. Cause now I feel like I can talk about this stuff and I didn't even realize how much I was even burying all of these things. You know, yesterday I was driving around Philly and I was just thinking about all, all the things. And I like started tearing up. Like I started mm. tearing up by myself. I was like, Whoa, like, like it's it's such a, a revelation for me within my own mind as well
2: um not just on the outside how does the lacrosse family welcome you in as a, a young black man
3: like how you're saying how do they or how did they yeah how did
2: they how did they welcome like like were there a lot of people like he's like when you were growing up like we kind of talked about there was was there a lot of pushback for for you being out there or was everybody like hey man he's just one of us he's he's part of our
1: team
3: yeah so so in lacrosse, um i think i was widely accepted and there were and there were a couple uh other black kids that that joined the team um as well but i think for me and i'm speaking on my experience my whole community wasn't very diverse right mm-hmm. so All the friends that, all my friends that lived in my town, you know, and, like, the surrounding town, it was, like, kind of 90% white, 10% black, you know? So, like, I didn't even really, I had some black friends, but I didn't have many, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt like growing up, I became comfortable in those environments where, you know, I'm the only black guy in the room, you know? And and all the implications and, and feelings that come with that. And, and like, like I said, like I said earlier, kind of that, that process of burying things, like I was just continuously burying things through yeah. my whole childhood and my whole life. And I just got used to it. I just got used to it. So when I started playing lacrosse in middle school. It wasn't anything new for me and all my friends at that point played, and they asked me to play. They were like, you should come out and play lacrosse with us. We think you'd like it. We think you'd be good. You're really good. We play football with you. You're really good at football. You should come out and play. And I was like, all right, like, I'll come out and play, you know? So it wasn't anything that I wasn't used to, and I and I felt accepted. Um, and I knew all those things I was going to have to go through in the process, and I was already going through them. So I'm like, what's the difference? Let's Let's play another sport. Uh, and then kind of, as I got older and and then went on different teams, you know, I think I was widely accepted, but I think there was kind of that, uh, ignorance a lot of times that I ran into and it kind of all stemmed from not knowing Mm -hmm. And and it just kind of goes back to like, I didn't want to start a rift, you know, or I want these guys to accept me. So if I really, really point out how I'm different. And maybe they're not going to accept me anymore um, and things like that. And, and it almost, it almost threw this position where like, where like at one point, like, I felt like I couldn't even like be really, really close with another black guy on my team because I didn't want to make it look like I was trying to segregate myself from everybody else with him. Wow. You know, that's crazy. like it got that far, you yeah. know? And, and I was talking to my friend in high school and I'm talking not only in lacrosse. I'm talking socially, you know, right. same thing. So my friends that, that I was in high school, and one of my friends reached out to me and he was like, "Yo, man, I watched your video, and I just want to say like I'm so proud of you." Um, and I'm thinking like, what do you mean like proud of me? Like, did you did you not think like I could say that or, or something? And and I was like, what did you mean by that? You know? And I asked him, and he said, and and this like really really shook me. He was like, you know, in high school, um, he's like, there was a lot of black kids that had trouble making friends with the white kids. And we felt like you were really good at it and you did it really easily. And we never could understand why. And we felt like you didn't even, you didn't want to include us in all that. And you didn't want to like help us do that. And doubt and and what I thought was I thought they didn't want me to hang out with them because I was hanging out with all these white people. I thought they right. wanted me out, you know, so like I felt it from both sides. Crazy. You know, and and I didn't and, and that like when he told me that the other day, that was the first time I even like heard that, felt that, even thought wow. that was a thing, you know? And I'm like, Whoa, like and then now I feel terrible because I could have been that voice back then to be mm-hmm. like you know, guys like why don't we all just hang out together or you know, like why don't why don't we like add some more guys or girls that are black into our friend group why don't we why don't we all get along you know or why do they sit at a different lunch table than we do like why don't we just switch why don't we just intermix lunch tables one day you, you know? know Like, I could have been that guy and people would have if people would have received it well for me but I was, I was, I didn't even know that was the case. And I was probably afraid to do it back then. And that makes, that makes me feel terrible. That yeah. could have helped the situation. And that's I crazy. didn't. So, and that's why like now, I think a lot of white people are like, you know, like we want to help the situation. We want to help the situation. And they feel, they feel it's kind of like shame and guilt uh, because maybe they didn't in the past and it, and it wasn't, and they weren't uh it wasn't visible for them and I feel that too, you know? Like I feel that I'm like I could have I could have helped the situation, you know, and that's by me not standing up when something that was ignorant said to me, That's not me helping the situation. That's when I didn't bring in other black people to say, Hey, you should come in and like be our friend more so than another white person. That's not me helping the situation. So, like, I'm at fault, too, you know? And I think it's important for me to recognize that.
2: You also penned a letter with U.S. Lacrosse Magazine um, that I highly recommend everybody go read. It, it tells of a story when you were 17, hanging out with some buddies um, at a local playground, and you had to run in with a cop, he ends up pulling a gun on you, forces you to the car. When I read that, I, I just, I, I couldn't, put myself in your shoes because you talk about your parents, you know, reminding you to be a good kid, hard, honest, and hardworking, and to help those shine through people's preconceived notions. I never, my parents never had to teach me those lessons because those were never things I ever had to fear. What was it like growing up during that time where no matter what you did, there was always going to be that chance that someone took it the wrong way? Right, yeah, yeah, you know, like, a lot of it is, um,
3: like, I had to be caught, I had to be trained that, like, those conversations that I have with my parents, I was thinking about this the other day, I was like, I wonder if, like, I never had to have those conversations, like, wh- like what would that would have been like, and I can't even imagine, like, because it was such a, uh, an important topic for, for me and my sister, and all black youth to know, it's like, like when i get pulled over it's not just i'm getting pulled over cuz i was speeding or i made a wrong turn or i turned on red or something or or maybe whatever it's like like this could be a really bad situation like you have to be on point with what you're doing when this police officer comes to your window you know and like it it and i was taught that at a young age you know like or for something as simple as like you know when you're walking when you're walking around with your friends or alone, don't wear your hood. Don't put your hood on. And I was, and some of the stuff you don't understand. Like when I'm a kid, I'm like, why? Like all oh, my friends are walking with their hood. I'm like, I, I, like it's cool, you know. And my mom's like, you can't do that. Like people are gonna think you're something that you're not, yeah. you know. Something that simple. Um. So you get, so then you get kind of like these, uh, these radars, you know, that that you built in, and, and you know how to kind of navigate the space a little bit more because
2: all it is is my
3: parents are trying to protect me,
2: you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I I remember my parents saying, you know, don't wear t-shirts with your name on them because someone could come up to you and just say, Oh, Hey Ted. And you're like, Oh, he knows my name. I'll go with that guy. He seems to know me. Like
3: those are the lessons that I had
2: to learn, right? Like don't go with strangers and don't let people know who you are and you're learning. Don't wear your hood. Like a common thing that everyone does. And it's, I just, I can still continually find it shocking that those were the the little lessons that your parents had to instill in you to just keep you safe. Right, right, yeah, and and it's
3: unfortunate. It, it's uh, it's almost it, it's like to the point that I couldn't imagine growing up without knowing and learning all those things. Like it's just so innate in me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that uh, some people or maybe more vocal about it. And, you know, there, there's some people that we don't understand that. So maybe so like some black people are, are very vocal about having to previously having to know all these things and be able to calculate all these things. And maybe they were vocal about it to maybe someone that wasn't black or, or white. And they're like, why do you think everybody's out, out to get you? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. why would you like, Like police officers are good or, 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 you know, like people are good. People aren't racist anymore. Like, why do you think that people, slavery's dead? You know, like that doesn't happen anymore. Um, But like it does. Mm -hmm.
2: The The younger generation seems to really have a grasp on the idea of change more than any generation that I've seen. I think they get it and they understand it because slowly those notions of Racism, or I hope maybe that, and maybe that's the ignorance of me. I hope is slowly starting to fade, and this new generation uh, of all of our youth are starting to understand that everybody is equal. How how special is it to see the movements that are being taken by by young kids all over the world and people all over the world to bring attention? Oh, it's 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 amazing, you know, and and
3: people of all different races, backgrounds, regions coming out and. and and speaking their mind to it, it, it's, it's powerful. It's very, very powerful. And I think to your point, you know, I think that, uh, and I said this in the video, like how, how George, George, George Floyd's, uh, murdering was, was recorded and how it was published, I think says was really the spark in that, you know, because, Like I said, like this has happened before, but the way it was portrayed, there wasn't an there wasn't an opening to say, okay, well, what was George doing wrong? Yeah. You know, or or, okay, he must have did something to deserve this, you know, or there's like the cops been trained to act this way or to be in those situations. You don't think like he was fearing for his life or something like that all of those arguments just go out, go away because of the video and how it was captured. Um, and I think to your point of the younger generation, I think the fact that they, that the younger generation is more open and they do believe in equality and they're very passionate about it. And I think it was almost so the passion was so strong that they said, yes, everybody's equal. Everybody's treated equal. Everybody has the same opportunity um in america and because they really believed that it was hard for them to believe that wait hold on like that's not true you know like wait like there it really isn't equal and it, and because it was so hard for them to believe that it took this video for them to be like whoa like they, like it's not equal it's a hundred percent not equal and there's nothing that i could say or even argue against it. Like that was just wrong. That was wrong. You know? Um, and then I think that's what opened people's eyes to be like, wow. Like, like we got, there's some things that we got to understand. There's some things that, that I don't know that, that I want to know. And like
2: realize that I was oblivious to before. What role does the lacrosse community, the the PLL, the NLL, and all the leagues and, and players that are in our community? What role do we play in educating people on in these injustices and, and continued racism that we see?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think everybody has a role. You know, I think I heard this. Uh, obviously, there's been so much on social media and so many different perspectives and, and ways of describing this and I and I think it was LeBron James said this in the past, but I saw it on a video that was replayed and and he said, you know, like being black is basically like you're you're gonna start a race, right? And you know, they start it and everybody that's black can't start until everybody in front of them is three hundred meters ahead of them. Okay. So, you, and you figure, right, like people are ahead or white, you know, like they started the race. Okay. Now, 300 meters ahead, everybody else can start running, you know? And I think previously, everybody up front running was a little oblivious to the fact that there's people, yes, yeah, I know people are behind me, but I don't realize why they're behind me, you know? Well, I don't realize that, it's not their fault that, that they're running behind me, you know? Like, and we should it, – and it's not my fault that I got a head start, you know? That wasn't on me either. Um, but how can we make it so we all run together, you know? And I think taking that even further, you know, there's some people that are up front running, and they don't want to slow down, you know? They don't want to slow down, and they they want to keep going. You know they're like, "Why should we stop? It's not our fault that they started behind us, you know, and then there's some people that say we should stop, and there's some people that were throwing rocks behind them that are mm-hmm. trying to push them back even further. You know, but the whole thing is it all starts by understanding that that there was this head start, and there is yeah. this disadvantage, and how do we get it so we run together? And the first part of it is understanding that there is that. There is that gap. And, you know, you think about, like, being black and being behind, and it's like, all right, for me to catch up to the pack, I got to run twice as hard. I got to be doing my pace twice as fast just to catch up, just to get even with everybody else. I got to run twice as fast. And then once I get there, I got to stay on pace. Yeah, I can't slow down because I'm tired. You know, I gotta stay on pace. So I think, like, when I heard that, because obviously, you know, I I read track when I was younger. I I love sports. I love that, that you know, the idea of that race, and it's really a human race. So nobody should be starting before anybody else. You know, so that really spoke to me. So, but to answer your question, I think there's a lot of different things that that you could do to, to close that gap, but it all starts with understanding and not being afraid to to say, Hey, you know, like, yeah, like I'm up here. It's not my fault. I'm up here, but there's a reason why, and it's not right, you know, and I want to help that, you know, even taking it a step further, you know, the people that are running up front, they're like, they still ran the 300 yards. Like, don't. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you're not working hard. You, you didn't run the 300 yards yourself, right? We all started at the same point. You just got to start running before I did,
2: you know? Absolutely, my friend. Um, this has been uh, an amazing conversation. I thank you for your strength. Uh, I thank you for your words. Uh, I I send my deepest apologies that you've had to go through everything you've ever had to done and, and your families and your friends. And I know this can't be easy, but I thank you for everything. You're doing the awkward talks that we're going to continue to have. Um, and the strength that you've shown through all this stuff. I appreciate you, my friend. I appreciate you too. I appreciate you opening up this line and and having this
3: conversation, you know, that's it. And I think like, I guess I'll leave it like everyone's got a platform and and I felt some pressure, you know, to, to talk about these things because I have a platform and I think it's, it's great to first self-reflect and realize, okay, like what's going on? How do I feel about this? Where are my thoughts? Then go ahead and and talk about it, you know, because I think a lot of times there's a lot of emotions that come into play and, and sometimes people misspeak or they, or they thought they felt one way and they feel another way, you know, and, you know it's okay to just today and just think about it. You know, um, that's
2: what I'm trying to do now, and hopefully I'm doing an okay job. You know, hopefully you're doing it. a fantastic job, my friend. You are doing a fantastic job. Um, say hi to the boys out there in Philly for me. Stay safe. Um, I you know I know uh, the news of the NLL canceling their season comes out today, but kind of seems uh, like you know kind of COVID-y. It's kind of in the rearview mirror right now, so. Uh, unfortunately we'll be able to see uh, on lacrosse bowl, but PLL Island coming soon. You're looking forward to that. (laughs) PLL Island. I'm jacked up, man.
3: i just obviously with COVID and and not being able to finish out the NLL season. It's like, you know, as a competitor and an athlete, you want something to play for, you know, you want to be training the, with, with that idea that you're going to be able to compete soon. So I'm excited to, to get that opportunity and, uh, We'll see how it goes. The room for the Atlas, obviously. (laughs) Let's go Go Atlas. Let's go
2: go Bulls. Let's go Bulls. All right, buddy. Stay safe. Um, You know, keep up the good fight, my friend. We'll talk soon. Cool? All right. Sounds great. Thank you.
0: That's Trevor Baptiste. And my goodness. The things that he talks about having gone through. And to have the strength and the humility even to flip it back on him to say, you know what, maybe I could have helped made a difference back then. Makes me think of how much more I could have done and should be doing. I can't thank Trevor enough for coming on, sharing his stories and experiences with us. Again, go back and listen to his Instagram video. Ask yourself, what does being black mean to you? And where do your preconceived notions of what it means to be a black person come from? And in his video, like he says, don't beat yourself up for having those thoughts understand where they came from and if they're negative thoughts what you can do to change them and it all comes from education and learning and having these awkward conversations that need to be had so have them have those conversations don't let racism continue to find footsteps in our society Put an end to it. Be strong in your convictions. If it is one of your longtime friends and they make a dumbass comment, call them out. Tell them that it's not right and why it's not right. Educate them on what they can be better for and why they should be better. There's no room in our society for even joking about it. I stand with you all. And I hope we can end this very, very soon. So stay safe. Act with peace, humility, and not hate. I still feel so at a loss for words during all of this and still have to find the ways to talk about our current pandemic, the state of lacrosse, and the fact that the National Lacrosse League has indeed announced that there will not be a champion for the 2019-2020 season. The news came out from the NLL on Thursday that it just wasn't going to be possible. If you listen to our conversation with the commissioner a couple of weeks ago, they were under two very big time constraints. Well, one very big time constraint, and that was the expiration of players' visas, and the other one was was an immigration issue and getting players back and forth across the border, which also stems from the visas. But also, as we kind of talked about last week, Canadians have to be quarantined anytime they cross the border to come back home. So let's... Two weeks. Every time. So the NLL was really in a short window. And unfortunately, the decision has been made to close that window. I believe it is the right decision. I think keeping players healthy and not putting them at risk is the best decision possible. So now, we can look forward to what's next. We've got a draft coming in September. It's probably not going to look like the draft we had last year in Philadelphia. Most likely going to be online, but we still have a draft. We got to figure out if Jeff Teat's going to come out early, if he's going to get that fifth year. And we can also start looking to the 2020-2021 season and the 35th anniversary of the National Lacrosse League. So while we don't have lacrosse of the indoor variety, we'll have it back very shortly. However, as we mentioned with Trevor, PLL Island is due to happen in July. So we have that to look forward to. So there are some positives in what has been a very difficult and somewhat negative week. But again, the bigger picture here isn't the rough news that there will be no NLL tournament or that CLA has canceled all major national tournaments. The bigger picture is, people, please stay safe. Let's end the hate. Let's help educate. And let's allow the human race to run at the same pace, the same speed, at the same time. Thank you to Trevor Baptiste. Thank you to all that have given their voice to this cause and this idea of bringing us all together instead of continually pushing us all apart. You can find me on Twitter at OffTheCrossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. I love you all. Stay safe, keep smiling, and as always, and even more so than ever, be excellent to each other.